0: Hello and welcome to the Practical Magic Podcast, a weekly dive into ways in which we can live a calmer, more creative and empowered life on our own terms. I'm Kate Taylor, creativity and empowerment coach, and I'm on a mission to help us live an embodied life full of creative expression through my blended melting pot of goodness I call Practical Magic. This week I'm joined in conversation by a wonderful woman, Lorna Harris, who I've got to know well over the last year or so. We are talking on the show all today about grief, love and the power of social media to connect, really connect with hearts. This is when it's working really well. This is on the back of a really simple couple of tweets that Lorna's sent out which have gone viral Following in the aftermath of Lorna losing a darling mum Glenda, this is a real ode to kindness and how we have to have better conversations around grief, that it's not a dirty word, it's something that actually brings people close together and allows a collective of people who really need to feel into these feelings and talk to each other more about what happens when we lose the people that we love. So, welcoming onto the show this absolute mega babe I've got sat opposite me she's just such a dream. This is Lorna. So I'm really pleased to welcome Lorna to the Practical Magic podcast and to all of you listeners. We're going to have an amazing conversation today and Lorna could you maybe start by telling us a
1: little bit more about yourself and why you do what you do my darling. Of course, well thank you for inviting me on. Um, Let me come on, crush your (laughs) podcast. Um, um, I'm Lorna and I'm a freelance PR consultant um, but I work predominantly in the charity sector on social justice causes um so third sector non-for-profit focusing on mental health homelessness child and sexual exploitation um and issues that we want to raise awareness of and um really let people know what's happening out there Mm. and
0: what got you into doing
1: it well i always struggled um i was a bit rubbish at school and uh, i left school with no qualifications and um Always struggled with that, really, and went into entertainment um, and working as a butler's. You're an amazing singer, aren't you? I love singing, yeah. I'm not as good as I used to be. Oh, I'm not not having
0: that. I don't know. She's a great singer.
1: Ask my choir. Um, (laughs) They sort of put me at the back and do the boops, keep me happy. But I, um, and so I was working on holiday camps for quite a long time, so I always really loved working with people, and I... um, decided that I really wanted to go to university, so I did an access course and um, got into a really good uni and struggled whether I wanted to do social work or communications and PR. So I went down the communications and PR route, um, but then as soon as I graduated, I moved into charity PR working as a junior press officer um, because it touched on both, really. So my first job post uni was for a carer's organisation um, and then I've just stayed in the sector ever since. And I have dabbled sort of now and then out, outside of the, you know, the sector. Um, but I always get drawn back to it. Because mm, that's the thing, isn't
0: it, when we're tied into our acts of service it doesn't matter we always come back to what's important and nothing's ever wasted is it so when you're talking about you know what you wanted to do whether it was social work or communications like Mm. there was always going to be the way that they would diverge together
1: and i didn't think that i would be able to sort of have a job that brought both in um but i do feel like it's been the right choice Mm. because um i get to use all my creativity in a positive way um and I think that you know, PR can have a bad name for mm. many reasons, but I see what I do as positive PR um, because you sort of see the impact that it's having yeah. on the people you're trying to help. Yeah. And our our have across, because we work
0: together, don't we? We do, yes. Um, You're a client of mine, but you also give me some amazing tools for PR as well. And I think what you do has really been able to change my mindset, I think, a lot around media and the power of media, because we hear so much about fake news Mm -hmm. and I've always had a chat. I mean, I I did a degree in communication in journalism and I understand that most media outlets have an agenda for what they're trying to push and a, a lot of our control comes through media. But what you do and the importance of what you do is that media can be a vehicle for awareness to make people aware of what's going on. What are you working on particularly at the moment? So at the
1: moment I'm working with a children's charity on County Lines. Um, So what County Lines is, um, it's basically child and sexual exploitation. So um, it's been in the press a lot about young people, often vulnerable people, who are groomed by gangs to sell drugs. But they are given a burner phone with a list of numbers and they could be sent from London to Scotland with a load of heroin and don't come back until you've sold it. Um, and the, the, the problem with this lifestyle is, often these children are very displaced, vulnerable, they, they don't get a lot of love. Um, so what these groom the groomers do is try and show them the love, make them feel part of something. So the way every single child feel special even though they're not they're very like replaceable um and they try and use clean clean skin they call it so that they haven't got criminal record um so these children are finding themselves in this lifestyle where they're in trap houses um which is like drug squats and they find themselves um unable to exit this lifestyle so what's happening is when they get caught with the drugs they're treated as criminals so some of these kids it might be that if you don't sell sell this. We know where your mum lives in Jamaica and we're going to rape her. Or we know um, your dad in Norfolk and we're going to make sure that we bomb his car. You know, um, they have to carry the drugs inside them, which is where the sexual exploitation part comes in. Um, So what I've been doing is working um very sort of closely with children's organization to get that message out and to disrupt it really early so it's not just about what the kids find themselves doing it's the organized crime gangs that are doing it Mm. that are a real problem so getting the correct story in the media is out you know you're able to tell when something's happening and people think that this stuff doesn't happen on their doorstep you know but in some cases their kids are leaving their doorstep to go and do it so it's really important that we're getting that message out there
0: so you're giving voice to those people who don't have a voice
1: we are yeah um and that's what I like doing, I always say when I talk about my career, because I'm 45 now and I've done this for years, um, I always say I've been the voice of so many people, been the voice of homeless, been the voice of carers, you know, I've worked on cancer health com- campaigns um, and I get right down and dirty in what I do, so I go out with the practitioners who are doing the real work really, you know, working with these young people, but it's how we then tell that story. Mm. And it's hard because, you know, the media always want the best story. So they want a child who's come out of that life to talk about their experiences. And you know, these kids are traumatized. The one thing that we're not gonna do is re-traumatize them. So it's about telling that story in a way that keeps people safe. Mm. It's been one of the most interesting projects I've ever worked on um, because it's affecting everywhere you know it's not just happening in rough parts of london or rough parts of scotland you know these kids are being found stabbed in leafy beautiful parts of devon and um there's a little bit of a like not on my patch kind of mentality yeah Uh, the police are good and people are good but um you know once these kids are in this life it's really dangerous to exit it
0: and also that the kids are looked at as being the criminals
1: they are yeah you know
0: if they whichever background they've come from they're they're lost souls
1: aren't mm. they i said to someone the other day i mean we we do have parents who are desperate to try and get their children home some of the kids are runaways um so it's not always there's no, there's no blame involved but There are children who are neglected, children who are in care, um, or have learning disabilities, don't understand the danger. They're easy targets. And so if there's no ladder to climb other than the one that's being offered to you, we can give you money we can give you trainers we can buy things for you if you do this for us if you're made to feel special in that way that's why the young people want to do it you you can you can sort of understand it because you you look for love and that's what these people are very clever these organized Mm. crime groups are very clever in doing Mm. so it's it's pretty heartbreaking um and the children's society who i'm working with uh, the lead voice in in criminal and um sexual child exploitation, um, the practitioners just blow my mind. And I even still get that pang of, oh, should I have gone that way? You know, when you hear that the practitioners are going out on raids with the police to make sure that the children are kept safe. and. That kind of thing, you think is that what I should have done? But then when but you you're see- using your skills, you're yeah. using the skills that you're you know you're incredible at to do your bit. Yeah, and we get front. you care? I do, I really do, and I think sometimes people will go, oh, you know, you're in PR, and they think it's all drinks and you know parties and fab and my job couldn't be further. From that, I mean, I don't think PR really is like that. Um, I know some PR people who might work in fashion industries and things like that certainly get more invites to things than I do. I might get in, invited to a demo at Parliament, but I certainly don't get invites to, you know, swanky parties. Um, but when you see a story has gone front page, and um, I always always say that we want the front pages of the nationals, but actually the most change happens at regional press. So the decision makers, the local authorities, the police, when they see that there's a real narrative around that and a story that, you know, you can't forget these young people um, because society already has.
0: Yeah. And I want to talk about giving that voice to the people who don't have a voice. So we met at a really interesting time, didn't we? Um, And we'll talk a bit more about what's happened recently. Yeah, yeah. But I've seen in you this fire, like you've always had that fire, I know that, but this fire has been completely ignited by circumstances which has happened in your life yeah. to make you more, even more about you know, helping and being of service and giving voice to people yeah. who don't have the voice. Can you share a bit about what's happened? And we're gonna talk about a particular thing that's happened oh, recently oh, gosh. that has, again, given voice to something which often doesn't have a voice yeah
1: um so my mum Glenda um passed away in July really suddenly um and I was really close to my mum um we're in my flat now you can see she's she's present in uh, her photos you know her love is here and uh she used to love coming around here and so therefore is the loss um but lots of nice memories and she died really suddenly of advanced cancer that she didn't know she had um, up until a week before, she was fine, so we thought she was very glamorous. Well, you um, were on your
0: way down to me, weren't you? Yeah,
1: I was coming down to you when she phoned and said the doctor had said she needs to go into hospital. And we were meeting in Hove, and I got to Brighton and got on a train straight back to London. But they initially thought she had a chronic kidney infection, and... Um, She'd been married to my dad for 53 years, and their, their love story is amazing. But uh, she was just a, an amazing woman. Um, and I think none of us were ready to let her go. She certainly wasn't ready to go. Um, but literally a week later, um, she passed away. Uh, the cancer had gone all through her and had um, caused a huge amount of edema, which is fluid on her body. And the body just, the organs failed. Um, and so, yeah, me and my brothers were with my mum when she died, when she took her last breath. And I still still don't feel real, really. Yeah. It's only been uh, three months. Um, but I'm glad I was there. But, you know, it was such a body blow mm. that... It sort of changed everything, but it's changed me. But if you'd have asked me how I'd be after losing my mum, I didn't think I'd feel this fire. But mm. you're right, I do... Well, I remember
0: you saying to me, because we were talking beforehand about you actually worrying about losing your mum, and you didn't know she was ill then, and, and, you know, because my story is very, very similar to yours, you know, we lost our mums in very similar
1: ways, and I remember you saying to me, like, how 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 did did you do do it, how did you do it, and... I had this sense of anxiety around my mum, always, not anxiety when I was with her, like, we got on great, but... If I, like, phoned her... So my anxiety dream all my life has been ringing my mum and I keep getting the number wrong. Yeah. Um, and her anxiety dream was that I was a baby in the pram and she couldn't find any clothes for me. So we were both each other's anxiety dream, as well as being, our, like, best mates, really. Um, so if I used to phone her and she didn't pick up... Um, and then if I rang say an hour later and she still didn't pick up, it would be like my brain would play this disaster movie out. You know, maybe something's wrong with Dad because my Dad's is the ill one. He's got heart and kidney failure, and Mum had been looking after him. Or and then I say why hasn't she got her phone on her? And it would, and then she'd ring me and say, oh, you know, I was out the front talking to Maureen, and you know, she'd left her phone and she's not like you know me. She's always got it with her. Um, but this sense of anxiety about what, what would I do? Um, just was there all the time Uh, not all the time I'd say in the last few years um so maybe in some sort of subconscious level oh I knew that she wasn't right she she seemed fine but maybe you know who knows eh and
0: you know it's only three months in yeah it's still very fresh and it's still very raw and all of your family are having to adjust to not having this beautiful big-hearted you know Big hearted, big head. Oh, just the most vibrant woman in your epicentre. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your dad then. Harry. First off, we need, to, we need to share their love story because the phone went just as we were making this yeah. podcast and he was like, make tell sure my you my love tell story. the love
1: story. So my dad first saw my mum when my mum was about 15, I think, and um, he was a few years older and she was in Woolworths and uh, he went up to her and said, one day I'm going to marry you.
0: Um and, as you do, with as you do.
1: I love Yeah. That. I mean now you'd be like a fifteen bloke going up to a fifteen year old saying that. But yeah. anyway, those <laughs> days was very romantic, I'm sure. Um doesn't quite work in Panama. No. Now, and then Years, like a few years later, not that many, I think, uh, he saw... No, because they got married when mum was 19, so it can't have been that long. He saw her in the pub, and she'd come home from... She'd come into the pub after Keep Fit, and he said to her, um, can I buy you a drink? And she said, oh, I'm I'm with all my friends. And so he said, I'll buy you all a drink. So he bought her all her Keep Fit... Flash Harry. Flash Harry. He was... uh, He still is a bit. And uh, anyway, they... um, my dad always says he's a bit geeky, and my mom's really beautiful, and people would be like, what? She's with Harry Harris, what? Uh, but they got married, and um, they'd been married 53 years, or together 53 years, married 51, um, and they never had an argument. And I used to think, when I was younger, like, this is weird, like, they hold hands when they go and buy a loaf of bread, you know? Um, but they were totally devoted to each other, um, really, not, not in a possessive way, but just really in love. Um, even when my dad had to have a heart bypass, and um, it went wrong. <laughs> uh, he was like the one in 5,000 that will go wrong. So, he he came out iller than he went in. So, my parents haven't had much luck um, with their health. And, he, um, and yeah, mum cared for him. And when I say cared for him, she was devoted to making sure he was all right because she was so frightened of losing him and it must have been so hard for Dad because after Mum died suddenly, people were saying to him, I thought it would be you. Yeah. And he thought it would be him. We thought it would be him. Yeah. Um, Because that's what we were preparing for and we were looking in the wrong direction.
0: Yeah, and because again, this is how weird our, our stories cross over because you know when, because my had my dad had Parkinson's from the age of sixteen, and mm. you're so focused on that person who's got a chronic illness. Yeah,
1: yeah. You just don't expect. <laughs> no. That the other one's gonna go. You just don't. You just, you know, when it, nothing could have shocked us more. Like, I remember the the day after, because um, me and my. My dad, because my dad's so unwell, it's very hard for him to come up to the hospital. But he did. Um, his brother brought him up in the wheelchair because he can't walk, you know, along the corridors. And uh, and he had his sort of private goodbye with my mum. And he just couldn't believe that a week ago they'd been down their caravan mm. and they were going to come back, get sorted out what was wrong with mum's belly, and then head back for the rest mm. of the summer. Um, but my mum said to me the day before she died because um, I'm single there's anyone listening <laughs> uh, just for the record single listener. desperate um, not desperate she's no single Tuesday and exactly. uh, my mum said to me you need to find someone who loves you like dad loves me um, and she said you know get yourself an older man, and then um, I did have a little giggle to myself a few weeks after mum had died, because I was sorting out dad's washing, and I said, God mum, I know you said get myself an older man, but I didn't think (laughs) you were going to leave me yours. (laughs) So, you know, there's been moments of
0: humour. There has, and I want to talk about the relationship that you have with your dad, because, you know, the reason we're talking about giving voice is because the it's more so important that we're having these conversations around bereavement yeah. and grief and seeing the light side in them, yeah. but also giving voice to those people who may be suffering with grief. And it doesn't matter if it was last week or yeah. it was 10, 15 years ago. Grief is grief is grief. Yeah. I want to talk about the relationship with your dad because that's shifted and changed and things do change and talk about something he did for you
1: yeah so um, my relationship has changed with dad but it was always a good relationship but my mum was I described my mum as being the rock and us kind of like the pebbles so I'd hear how I'd ring mum and dad would answer and he'd say how's work, how's your day and he'd pass me over to mum don't think I've ever sort of gone out just with my dad. Although we did do a father and daughter's Deal or No Deal audition once in Bristol. Oh, yeah, because
0: your mum was. My mum was or no on it. Deal, yeah, didn't well, she? Yeah, long?
1: it was twenty nine shows. Amazing. She said to me, "Lorna, I was only on it because um, I look so good." <laughs> Such a character. Yeah. Love it. Um. But so we did do some silly. We didn't get on to Deal or No Deal with my dad. We got out the first hurdle. He's like, "It's a fix." But <laughs> our, our relationship has changed. Um. The day after um, mum died, we'd had to go back that night and tell dad that mum was gone, having just experienced sort of seeing her last breath. And uh, we, he, he, you know, he was, he couldn't believe it. And uh, he was very unwell himself at the time of a chest infection. But he said on the, the next day, what a catastrophe this is in our life, Lauren! What a catastrophe this is. And I just was like, it is. But I know what I need to do now, and that's not me coming in with my, you know, daughter cape, but I suddenly realised that the person most like mum is me, and so to keep that vibrancy going, I needed to do what she would have done that morning, which would have been take the dog for a walk, make a cup of tea, make sure we have food. So even though my heart was shattered, not even broken, it was just shattered, I just carried on you know I, I remember saying to you after how do I do this and you were like one foot in front of the other just one foot in front of the other and that's that's how it was but slowly me and dad have built up well no maybe quickly built up a really good friendship so he said I really enjoy your company lawn I never thought I'd hear myself say that I was like the most backhanded of compliment I've ever heard in my life you can see where you get your humor yeah. from as well so, so talk uh, about your birthday. And yeah, what's happened. so um, my birthday's in September, and my mum would always make us birthday cake. We've got two brothers, and um, she'd always make and lots. You know, my brothers, have got. I think mum had seven grandchildren. And uh, she'd always make cakes for us, and she'd always make cakes anyway. And we used to say, they were delicious if you had time to lay down afterwards for a while. <laughs> oh they, my god, it's like my
0: mum's dumpling. Yeah, yeah, they
1: were quite heavy. Oh my god, it's so so funny. funny. I think heart, it's yeah, very funny. Yeah, so uh, we used to go, mum, it's amazing, I'll just have a small slice, yeah. you know, otherwise <laughs> you'll be reaching for the gaviscon. But she was a good baker. Um, so it was my birthday, and I was dreading it because even though my friends had arranged some nice things, it's just not the same without no. your mum. And um, my dad, I went over to my dad's to that day before I went out that evening, and he was like, um, "I did something," and I was like, "Oh no, what's going to tell me?" And uh, he was like, "I made, I've got your cake. I made your cake," and he got this like battered Victoria sponge out of the fridge, and it felt it was filled with cream and jam and. You know, and he made uh, it himself. yeah, I think with a little bit of help, maybe from a cake mix, who knows? I don't think though, so. No, yeah. but um, he, he made it himself, and uh, it was funny because he said, "I looked everywhere for a candle, and I, I thought I was going to end up with a power cut one." You know, <laughs> I was like, "No." Um, so I like, I like social media, and uh, I'm quite sort of chatty on Twitter. And so I said, "Oh, Dad, I can't believe this!" And I took a photo of it, and I wrote on Twitter. You know, my mum died two months ago, and uh, she always made us a birthday cake. And I'm 35 today, and my my dear old dad's done this, maybe this cake, and my heart's melted. And I just did it. Like, I'm not, you know, well-known on Twitter or anything like that. So if I get, like, 10 likes, I think I've gone viral. But it
0: did go viral. But it did go
1: viral, yeah. Uh, So I noticed that day that I was getting a lot of, like notifications on my Twitter and I was like, oh no, have they found that tape from 1991? That naughty <laughs> tape. Joke. <laughs> joke. Um, but It lit up yeah. like your bloody birthday <laughs> cake, did. didn't it? Yeah. Everyone, yeah, it lit up literally like a birthday cake. I think at last count we were at 49,800 or something.
0: So so what kind of spark, what, what was the conversation that you were having with people? So...
1: Then? That's been the most amazing thing, because it hasn't been a bad cake at all, really. It it has opened up a conversation on grief that needs to be had. Um, When I, the day mum died, I I looked for help, and I couldn't find it. You know, I found a, a charity that I could speak to and things like that. But people really opened up about their loss and what the cake signified. People were saying to me, you know, this is what real love looks like. Um, But I had people say, you know, I had a bloke say that he'd lost his wife and that he'd really shut his daughter out, but he realised that he needed to do more because she was hurting too. Um, I had someone who said, my mum's died today, so suddenly I was in a position of being able to say, I know where you're at, Mm. you know, because I was there two months ago. And even that was weird for me because I was still in such deep grief. we had amazing messages it got to a point where it was like six thousand or something messages and i was i was reading them yeah i I just saw a few of them i was reading the threads of
0: conversation it was amazing around this has happened i just lost this person i lost this person like however long ago it still hurts you know people being able to really like that one cake gave people permission to go I'm hurting too. I know
1: there was someone who was like, "I lost my mum, and it, you know, I get nothing on my birthday now, and I dread my birthday because she was all I had, and I get nothing." And uh, I got contacted by a baker's who had said, "Let's send your dad a cake." Like things would like that were happening, and I I said to the woman on um, the lady on Twitter who had tweeted that, "Like, when's your birthday?" Um, so I won't give too much away, but she's not going to not have a cake this year, let's put it that way. So
0: this, this act of kindness. That's what it was. Has spurred on a lot of other acts of kindness, because that's an energy, kindness is an energy that does that, which is fantastic. But what's, I think, even more incredible is opening up and giving voice to grief, because, yeah. you know, everybody experiences grief in their life, but it's something that we don't talk about. We don't, We no. don't talk about it. We're scared of it. People are then, you know, the, one of the number one fears in life is dying. Mm-hmm. And so it's a bit of a dirty secret, isn't it? And I said to you, and the people have said it to me before, oh, welcome to the club. Yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. club that nobody wants to be a member of, but it does feel it does like, feel like you have lost somebody... Mm. There's more of an empathy with somebody else who has lost somebody mm. because you are you you are you're not that anybody can know. Like I can't know how you feel. You can't know how I feel. I can't know how anybody else feels no. because it's a very personal thing. But you can just say, "I'm here," yeah, and I understand. And people are frightened of saying that. And I the, think, and and that's the thing. So let's talk a bit more about that because I think this is such an important conversation around giving more voice to trauma to emotion to experiences with things like this so you know we both experienced it where and i would imagine that pretty much every single person who's lost somebody has felt isolation because people don't know what to say they don't know how to say it they worry they're going to say the wrong thing they would just want to leave you to get on with it it's very private so let's talk a bit more about that
1: so i think everyone was as shocked as me, you know, when when mum died. And um, my kind of friends have been amazing, they really have. But there has been a silence around it. When I've seen people, they've said, I've not wanted to bother you. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm sitting here without my mum. You know, I'm the only daughter. You're lonely, and you're right? You're lonely, so right? So yeah. You, yeah, you, the person you would go to, you know, I live on my own, the person you would go to isn't there anymore. Um, And I think that's a real mistake that I've made in the past when someone's grieving um, is to think that they don't need you Mm. and they do need you and I need them. And you know, it's if someone won't come, you know, you back their door down a bit, you kind of make sure. And I was very lucky that I had friends who did that, friends who would would book a table and say, Mm. we're having Sunday lunch come on let's go or and it's not like you've got the
0: disease because you lost someone and it's a weird thing isn't it i you know i always remember my mom saying that when i can't remember if she lost her dad some people cross over the road because they didn't want to talk about
1: it yeah i mean some people have literally not mentioned it of don't know what to say. I
0: think there's something there as well about people are very afraid of emotion. Yeah. So they're very afraid of, oh God, what if Lorna cries? Or what if I
1: start crying?
0: And actually, do you know what? People, we're just human beings. Yeah, like it's fine. My eyes leak called a bloody time?
1: I'm going to cry. I was at my, over at a client office the other day. And it can be like the weirdest thing that triggers it. But like, someone had got me a sandwich from Pret or something and it was the one that my mum really liked or it was something like that. And suddenly you don't even know it's coming but the tears are down your face. They I didn't know it's possible to cry as much as I've cried since I lost my mum. Um but I've laughed as well. Yeah. Um and that's strange because you then go, Wow well, can I laugh? Am I allowed to? Why am I doing this? Does it mean I don't care? And you know that what your mum would say to you is, Of course it bloody doesn't matter if you laugh, I want you to laugh. I want you to stop crying and I want you to laugh. But it's a strange kind of inner inner guilt that comes. It's an inner
0: guilt, but I think there's also that thing about, you know, not wanting to make other people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So I share the story about um, you know, I was at a party and Ella Fitzgerald summertime came on and I I my relationship with grief was I put batten down the hatches, I wasn't gonna let anybody so I was like the strong one, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I used to pride myself in God, look how well Kate's doing. She you know, because I my dad was in a care home. We had to sort everything out. And that became my role, you yeah. know. And it's bullshit. It's because bullshit. I just put layers of protection on. And, yeah. And I was like, it's fine. You don't need to worry about me. But I had this one experience where um, this song just hit everything. And I cried. And somebody in the room just ran out. Because mm. they couldn't deal with it.
1: Because it's like if Kate can break, yeah. what I hope is there for me. Yeah. It's definitely a bit of that. Yeah. Maybe.
0: So the conversations that you've opened up around grief and allowing people to say this is how I'm feeling and mm. I know you know I've got friends who have been in a similar situation to myself that people have just been like you so come it's three it's three months
1: now uh, yeah yeah
0: are you not you're not over this yet um
1: yeah I think um that's definitely something I've noticed um so I'm The way I describe it is like my mum and I were very close, but my mum was a real solver. She was very practical. So if there was a problem, she'd say, Don't worry about anything till it happens. And then if it does, you just deal with it. And so she would be, you know, the person that was solving problems, whereas I'd be the one that's probably writing a poem about the problem. So I was always a bit more navel-gazy than than my mum. And I'm very emotional, and my brothers think I'm a bit of an old hippie, and, you know, they always, they laughed. I, re- I recently went on a retreat, and I'm coming on your retreat next year. And uh, they you know, they're like, God, oh, like, why would you pay for that for? You know, you could nick a car and get a week on remand, it sounds the same, <laughs> you know. So that's actually what we're doing. Yeah, yeah I not nice? No, no. we're
0: we're near the prisons, so we yeah. won't be that far away. Cagney and
1: Lacey. <laughs> <Yes>. And so <laughs> yeah, reverse Cagney Lacey. <laughs> um but we are yeah, so but th- there was an element of that, um, where it was like my brother was very like, yeah, stoic, mm. gotta be strong Come on, Lorna, If you keep breaking down, crying, you're not going to be of help to anyone. Not in a negative way, but just in a just thought he was helping. Yeah, yeah. and for him and and for me, sobbing every five minutes is not going to help them. But I was like, I can't help what's how I feel. I can't help the fact that I'm so devastated. And it didn't mean they're less devastated. They deal with it in a different way. So that was quite interesting because we were all mourning the same person differently. Mm-hmm. So that was quite interesting. Um, and then there was other people's emotion, which was quite hard, like mums neighbors and people like that who were distraught and you find yourself comforting them, yeah, yeah, and you're like, I've lost my favorite, I've lost my person, mm. you know, and you find yourself comforting others, mm. so what the cake did was it allowed people to have a bit of a moan if they needed it yeah. as well, and but also say yeah this is this is a shit road, this is a shit road we're on.' And, you know, I always say, wouldn't it be nice if you could just die with the love of your life in your 90s, in your bed, um, and then we'd all live brave, yeah. because we'd know, you know.
0: But that's the thing, and, and you know, we, we've talked about this since, that it has made you more brave. It really so has. the journey that we've been on with you and your career and what you do mm. next, it's allowed you, and, 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 you know, we've had lunch before this, and I, I share that... Losing my parents it sounds weird, mm. but it's also the biggest gift I could have had for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Because before then I was drifting, and it gives you something to stand for because it does. you're suddenly like, fucking hell, life is precious. Yeah,
1: and you're suddenly like the person who gave me this life. Like, dad's still here, but mum's gone. And she gave me the best life um, because she wasn't a pushy mother. She wasn't in any of those things. We were free and we never went without or anything like there that. There was an
0: element of protection, though, wasn't there? Was, there was, yeah. And you were saying that now that that's...
1: It's still there, obviously,
0: but it's given you more opportunity to be braver in the, the choices that you're making
1: and also the work that you're here to do go actually i'm going to really stand for something i really want to live my best life and i'm always like putting even doing this podcast is putting myself out there in a way that i wouldn't normally um because it's never really been about i've always you know written for other people got other people in the paper done stuff for other people and and With the cake and, you know, the Huffington Post did a piece about my dad and called him, like, a heroic dad. And uh, and all that kind of stuff was so exciting. Um, But personally, it's made me go, well, the apron strings will never be cut because I love her as deeply as I've always loved her. Um, But, you know, I live half hour from my parents. I never really... I didn't really need much, as in, like... I was really happy sort of plodding along and but I know I can't live the same life now so she's not here so I'm her biggest memento and I want to go and do brilliant things and I want to be a good daughter for my dad but I have to realise that I've got to think about my own life as well um, because we literally don't know what's around the corner. And there's a reason we don't know. Yeah. Because if you knew you wouldn't get up anymore every morning.
0: You know. And so a lot of this podcast is about the marks that we make on the world. Yeah. Yeah. And the differences that we make and our acts of service however they are. You know, your dad being his acts of service is Baking that bloody cake so that people could be able to open up. And yeah. yours is about being able to use your voice and your vehicles of communication yeah. to help other people feel. You're writing a book at the
1: moment. I am, Can we yeah. talk about that? Well, we can. A little bit. A little bit. Maybe. It's in, maybe maybe we'll do another one all we'll about it. We'll do another it. one. But, you know, you're using that, your experiences, yeah. to use your voice as a vehicle. It definitely changes me as a as a PR and as a writer losing my mum has made me realise that if you're gonna tell a story, you've gotta tell the real story. Mm. You know, I get angry at fake news anyway. Um, I don't buy into any of it. But you've got to really go go full throttle, you know. I go and I meet the young people that that are experiencing this stuff. I go and I talk to the practitioners. I tell the real story. It's getting into the guts it's of it. It's getting into isn't the it? real guts of it. Um and I feel grief is a bit the same. You've almost got like it sounds a bit cheesy, but like feel it to heal it. It's, sort it's, of. It's
0: not cheesy. It's a mantra I use. Yeah, a lot.
1: you've got to go <laughs> through it, and um, you've got to go through those moments of like you go like you wake up, and for a split second everything feels normal, and then you're like, what the fuck? I've got to do another day feeling this awful, and then glimmers will happen, and uh, Mum always used to say, look for the glimmers. So. There's glimmers every single your day. It's
0: bloody incredible. We're laughing because you've been to the Isle of Wight. Well, you, you went to the Isle of Wight on the retreat. You're coming to the Isle of Wight on my... You've never been there before. No. And you were saying about... Um, lorna has got this amazing... If anybody's been to the Isle of Wight, you'll know what I'm talking about. You get the coloured sands, which is the Allen Bay Sands, and there's a little um, uh, memento shaped to the Isle of Wight, the Allen yeah. Bay Sands, that you found in the side door of your
1: mum and dad's um, car. Yeah. After she passed... After she passed yeah and I'd, I'd booked so basically I booked to go on this retreat to Isle of Wight where um, it's it's like you know no sugar no wheat loads of exercise um, loads of therapy it was amazing lots of dancing and yoga and it's an Isle of Wight it was a lot of money for the week it was amazing but um, I'd said to my dad I wonder what mum would think of me doing this and then I was getting the dog's lead out of the inside little pocket in the car and I found this little Isle of Wight thing and I was like Dad, why is this here? Like, what? what's this Isle of Wight thing? It was like the little map of it full of sand. And he said, oh, he said, your mum got that for you. And I was like, what? He said, yeah, she found it in a, you know, like my mum loved charity shops. So don't give her Westfield, give her, you know, a charity shop yeah, and she's in Chazza. her element. Yeah. Yeah. So, and she'd found it in some, been where they were like giving stuff away. She loved a freebie. So um and she must have picked it up and said, oh my lawn or like that. I love it. And then it was like leaking out the sand. So she'd put it in the pocket of the car and hadn't thought about it. And then uh, she got ill and she passed away. And then I'd looked for the Isle of Wight retreat or found the retreat on the Isle of Wight, booked it. And it was so amazing because I so I brought it home put it on the side and then I went off for my week in the on the island came back and looked at it and it gave me such a kind of, it gave me such hope because it was like, she'd given me the thing that become my memory. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I I do believe that there's more, otherwise yeah. what's it all for, right? Yeah. So, and even if there's not, you may as well believe there is because the other option's rubbish. So, but it felt like it was a little, yeah, a little nod to go, make sure you go. Mm. Um, And you know, all of this is about permission. Yeah. Permission Permission
0: to use your voice, permission to live your fullest life, permission to get down and dirty with the the things that you talk about, you know, permission, permission, permission. Yeah. Biggest gift.
1: The thing with my mum is that she was happy with a small life, and I don't mean that in any negative way. She was happiest in her charity shops, she was happiest baking cakes and having her family young, and she had a big life and had lots of fun, but she liked... She'd say, oh no. I'd say, come roam Rome with me for the weekend. She'd say, well no, let's go down the camera van. Or, what do you want to go all the way to Australia for, Lorne? So she wouldn't stop you, but she'd just think, why would someone yeah. want to do that? Keeping so with her peace. And I always wanted to please her. And I'd think, oh, maybe I shouldn't go. Or... Oh, she doesn't think it's a good idea. Maybe that it's not going to be a good idea. But suddenly, you've got to give yourself permission. Mm. And it seems silly to say because I'm in my forties and people are probably listening to this going, "Come on now!" But you do suddenly sort of go, "Well, I, I'm going to do it now because yeah, you become braver. You can you become braver because the worst your worst nightmare has come true. Yeah, and you're still standing. Yeah, one foot in front of yeah. Me. And I felt on my own, and then my dad baked the cake, and I suddenly realised that there were so many people feeling alone. And if we're all feeling alone, why aren't we doing it together? Because, you know, why are we not having these conversations? Why are we not being honest about our pain? You know, I went back to work with a big smile on my face and I remember my doctor said to me, when I went to see him afterwards, you know, people have longer when they break their leg. Why are you painting your face on, brave-facing it? You can say to people, like, I feel like shit, my mum's died, but I'm trying. Mm. And if I can't do it, I, I'm going to go home. And it's like, we don't do it. We power on and we end up at the end of our tether without dealing with it at the beginning, Yeah, you know?
0: And and I, you're such a, a true reflection of somebody who feels. And it's it's enlightening because, you know, I, di- I didn't. And, you know, I share my story of how I... Just layered everything up until mm. I moved my body and and started to yeah. move through that. Movement helps, doesn't yeah. it? But I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your oh, story. Oh, thank today. you. I feel
1: like you were maybe um, the Isla White thing is because I, you're from Isla White, and I found you as well. Oh. Perhaps. Oh. So I
0: reckon your mum was at the centre. or oh, our mums are up there orchestrating all of it. Yeah, you know? our
1: stories are very similar. Yeah. but I've really enjoyed. It's been really helpful being able to talk and. Uh, You know, I hope um, that people feel that they can get something from this. And we'd love to. I mean, where can people find you? So I'm um, at Lorna Media on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Lorna Harris PR on Facebook. Okay.
0: So, and and you know, my handle is Kate Taylor Creative Living on Insta. And Kate is great. Yeah. On Twitter. And do tell us. Tell us what's going on for you.
1: Um, Oh, actually, yeah. Yeah. thought.
0: Right, we've been having an amazing conversation. We've um, forgotten
1: what we planned. Uh,
0: Lorna's going to pull a practical magic card, and this is going to be a card for all of us today. I, I
1: didn't get the stop talking card. <laughs> <laughs> time, to, time to show. How up about now? a big
0: cup of shut the fuck up card? Yeah, I should have done that one. Shouldn't I? Oh, that'd be my I'd Get that every day. <laughs> but yeah, do do share with us because I think it's it's really important. The more that we have these conversations around things like grief then the more okay Mm -hmm. right we just pulled the creative mindfulness card so this is a really interesting card for everybody today and I think what's the interpretation I can take from this is that don't take things as obvious as they are yeah don't necessarily see things for what they are whether you think that somebody is a certain way because maybe they're going through a certain thing you know this is a bigger global consciousness of all things going on at the moment yeah don't take things for what they are right. see them beyond
1: be I think, mindful yeah that's good isn't it mm. is that a good card Kate.
0: it's a good card because you know what i would say about this as well is that it is seeing beyond the obvious and it's it, it's using our perception to see more than what we necessarily might see and look at things from all different angles
1: Mm. I love this deck. I'm doing a bit, bit of a promo, <laughs> <laughs> and now for my next trick. Yeah, it does say though, creativity is about putting your imagination to work, and yeah. I do feel that's where I'm going because I've always looked at other people's creativity, yes. and now it's time to now look at my time, own. because you're you're unleashed and you can. Yeah. So, oh, it's been so lovely. Thank talking you, to you so much.
0: On. Thank you. I cannot thank you enough for joining the Practical Magic podcast today. It's been emotional, it's been enlightening, and it's been a really heartwarming conversation with the lovely Lorna. If you ever need to reach out to anybody, do come and find both of us on social media, or wherever we hang out, it's always really good to have these conversations and just open up more of a dialogue around how grief affects us. It's not a dirty word, it's something that when we come together and we share the humanity of experiences, it makes it a little bit more easy, not the right word probably, but better when we share better when we share together thank you so much for listening this time next week i'm going to be back with another interview actually i'm going to be talking to selena and vicky from project love all about designing and creating a life you love so i'm really looking forward to speaking with you then in the meantime darling ones have the most magical week